Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another Mind and Body podcast interview. Today, I'm so excited to have on Jessica Crow of Centered NYC. Hi, Jessica. Thank you for being here. Hi, Nadia. It's great to be here. Um, so this took us forever to schedule. So it's <laughs> meant to be. <laughs> Divine timing today. Yes. Yes. <laughs> So why don't you share with everybody what Centered NYC is, who Jessica Crow is, and we'll just kick it off from there. Sure, sure. Well, the, the second part of that question is a much longer <laughs> answer. <laughs> Maybe it will be a book one day. But basically, I work in the wellness industry, and I've been working in, um, in and around wellness for over 20 years as a massage therapist, a yoga instructor, meditation instructor, etc. Centered NYC came together four or five years ago. And it's kind of a, a culmination of those techniques, but it's focused now on bringing mindfulness, um, mindfulness meditation, which I have some workshops called Mindscaping, which we'll talk about a little bit, uh, but bringing that into the workplace, really. Wow. I work with individuals as well. I do work with private sessions and, and that kind of thing and do some online and on the phone sessions, but I mainly go into corporations and businesses. I present workshops on mindfulness and ergonomics, on text neck, which is a big thing right now is causing a lot of issues because of people's posture from right. using mobile devices for so many hours a day. So I, I try to teach them about that and teach them how to correct that. Um, I, yeah, that's, that's basically what I do. So um, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. This is interesting to me because I know uh, you hear about corporate wellness all the time. And um, I worked one place and they offered a yoga class here and there. But um, I want to know how how have these corporations connected with you? What what is the driving force? And do they see a difference in the dynamic of their employees once infusing your services? Uh, definitely. I, I think most of the ones that reach out and connect to me and want to bring this, especially mindfulness and meditation into the workplace, they, they already have a practice of their own. So whoever it is that's in charge, HR, benefits, wellness, they already know the, the outstanding benefits of you know, taking time for yourself and meditating and having a consistent practice. And they want to bring that in and infuse that workplace culture with the same kind of attitude, the same kind of feeling and, you know, people connecting on a more compassionate level, people innovating ideas, um, just being more healthy in general as well, because they're happier. So it's it. those, those are the people that are reaching out, you know, um, everything else is, coming through marketing efforts. But those are the ones that, you know, are like, really, I know how great this is. I know how important it is. And I want to try to get my whole team to do it as well. So that's where the, the challenge really comes in. Because when you go into a workplace, especially in New York City, um, I've worked with a lot of attorneys, a lot of financial companies, media places like Discovery, Communications, things like that. People are so busy and they're so heavily engaged in their work that they feel like they don't even have 20 or 30 minutes to take away to come to a class. So that is the challenge of bringing, bringing that in and making it accessible to them and letting them feel like their company 
really wants them to have this time. Mm-hmm. Like this is important. This is for you. This is for your personal growth. It's also for the company as a whole because it will create a more creative and productive culture. But it's for the individual. It's like a gift. It's like any sort of benefit, like getting a bonus at the end of the year. It's totally. like a, it's a benefit. It's something like very feasible and, and palpable that they get to have. But the challenge is getting employees to take advantage of that and to also feel comfortable and safe exploring some of these practices um, in front of their coworkers or around yeah. their coworkers. So that's, yeah. that's been something I've noticed has been a bit of a challenge. It works out well when I go in and do one-off workshops, an hour or two, maybe a half a day workshop, everyone gets together and tries things together. Um, but for long-term, it's, it's definitely working better to do individual sessions. And that's why I created a, a mindscaping uh, Zoom or Skype session that employees can go and sign up for on their own. So it's about 20 minutes and then they can do it from their own office or their desk, or they can step outside if they only have a cubicle, but they have they have a really personalized experience and they're not afraid then to share things that come up because when you start meditating, when you start a practice of yoga or meditation, or if you're just doing a simple breathing technique for the first time, it can feel and look kind of, it can look funny and it can feel odd and strange sensations come up and, you know, thoughts and memories come up and emotions. And they're not always things that you want to bring out into the open around your colleagues. Right. Yeah. So, okay. I have a lot of questions. So um, (laughs) has there ever been an instance where you've gotten some resistance from one of the participants, but then they decided to stick it out and ended up becoming absolutely obsessed with it? (laughs) Um, No, not yet. (laughs) Well, I can't say that because I don't, maybe they, they did that on their own and they found a different teacher or a different style of what they're doing, you know, a different way. There are so many different things like, and this is a whole other conversation, but you know, what is meditation? Is meditation a practice where you sit down and do a particular technique or is meditation a state of mind that you take out into your daily life? Is it the way that you approach other people? Is it the way that you talk to yourself in your own head? So where, where is that practice? You know, so I can't really say that no one has done it. No one that I know of has gotten obsessed with it through the corporate culture. You may be surprised. You have no idea how you touch people's lives unless like it's verbalized. It's true. Yeah, yeah. that's so true. That's so true. Um, And then my next question is you brought up a good point because I did do breath work once and it did feel it is a lot of heavy breathing and all different type of variations. I guess there's different styles. I'm not too familiar with how it's um, conducted, but I did get a sense of rush of emotion, Mm. um, almost tears. So it would be weird to do that in a group setting. Um, So you mentioned the Zoom call for mindscaping. How receptive are people to that um, after trying the group session? I I really think that they prefer it. And I I think that just on a practical level, they, they can fit it into their own schedule. They're not getting a notice saying, hey, Jessica is going to be here today at 1230. Everyone should come to the conference room. And then they have to manage their schedule or not take lunch or something like that. They can literally just, oh, 
I really need this today. I need to get centered. Like I need to yeah. pull myself together or get more clarity on this subject or just, you know, I have a lot of my personal life going on. I need just stress reduction today and I need it right now. And I need to be able to open up with someone like and let them know, you know, there are personal aspects of my life affecting my work. And that's the, that's the thing. Like you, it's very hard to keep it separate right? Everything is connected. You always bring your personal into your work and your work back into your personal life. So if you don't have that space and, you know, that, I guess, security, a personal security to be able to open up with someone, you know, then it's, it's still beneficial, but it stays on a more superficial level, the healing. Mm -hmm. So that's the, yeah, the personal sessions, um, they're starting to pick up and it's really nice because you can make progress much more quickly. Yes. Yeah. And so can you, for those that are not familiar, can you explain what breath work is in comparison to the other forms of mindfulness um, exercises like meditation? Well, sure. It's, it's kind of, there are kind of blurry lines around where the boundaries are on all of this. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a good question. Um, Breath work comes from the lineage of yoga, of mm-hmm. Buddhism as well, mindfulness, meditation. Uh, they fo- you use the breath as a tool. Like this is the one tool that always pulls you back into the present moment because it's always going in and it's always going out no matter what, whether you're paying attention or not. So it is always used as this focus point, this tool, to pull yourself into whatever exercise or technique it is. Now, breath work can be, like you said, it's so varied. It can be very, very subtle, or it can be really intense and specific and regimented. So it depends on where it comes from. I have a strong background in Hatha Raja Yoga. That's the sort of yoga that I teach. And we do a lot of pranayama, as it's called in yoga, which is breath work. Prana being a little life force and yama meaning to control it. So you're learning ways to control your breath. Um, Now in Buddhist meditation and mindfulness meditation, there are also techniques. They're slightly different Um, in psychology, modern day psychology. There are techniques slightly different Mm -hmm. Um, science-based, just straight stress reduction. There are techniques um, but what it what most of it is, is is just controlling your breath. You're using some sort of um, something that's laid out, like you're breathing in for so long and you're exhaling for so long, or you're holding your breath in and restricting it. Um, there are some manipulations that you do with your hands too. So there's a whole slew. There's like a whole world of breath work. Um, you can also just use your breath to access emotions that maybe stored or stuck in your physical body. So it's really all the way from uh, Western medicine and modern day psychology, thousands and thousands and thousands of years back to um, Buddhism and the beginning of meditation in Hinduism as well. So fascinating. Okay. So There's I a have- lot there. That's a whole <laughs> other podcast. I know you're trying your best to like smudge it in like footnote version. Yeah, but- right. <laughs> So I I heard somewhere that if you're having like issues, whether it's uh, an illness or fertility or relationships or whatever, there may be something blocking your chakra. 
and breath work can help release that. Hence why some situations, some sessions may be emotional. Can you speak to that? And like, where does the, how are emotions attached to the breath and how does it help to release and um, stop that chakra from being blocked? Well, I don't necessarily believe that chakras get blocked. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I think there are, there's a, there's a little bit of resistance to that in the industry too. It's like, are chakras blocked? Are they stuck? Do you really need to do anything to heal particular chakras? Mm -hmm. I think that intuitively and from the things I've learned over the years, all of the chakras all of the time are working, right? Sometimes like they're always spinning and they're always supposed to be moving in a certain direction at a certain speed and frequency. They have a sound, they have a color, they have Uh, emotional representation as well, which is where that part comes in. But just as like anything in life, everything is always trying to balance itself. So if you think about the very physiological aspects of the body, biologically, your body on a cellular level is always trying to find homeostasis and balance itself out. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. We, we try to assist it sometimes. But even if you didn't do anything, it It's always doing that on its own. And so the chakra system, the energetic system, is the same way from what I know. That it's it's always trying to balance itself. It's always working. So just by bringing your attention to an area, just like any area of the body, anything that's injured, et cetera, you're giving it that extra awareness. You're giving it attention and you're putting your intention into it. So you're giving it a uh, space to do what it's already doing better. I like that. that makes sense. I like what you uh, Wait, you're bringing yeah. your attention to apply your intention. Say it again. I need to write that down. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about attention and intention. Okay. It. Um, it really is. So when you, whatever you put your attention on in this world, be it outside of yourself or inside of your own body, that's what you are setting yourself up for more of, right? So on a neurological level, on a purely neuroscience level, we know that the brain is filtering all the time, right? Mm -hmm. And thank God that it is, Mm -hmm. especially in New York City. Oh my gosh, (laughs) But you couldn't, there's no way you could take in the sheer amount of sensation and perceptual information out there in the universe. So your brain narrows it down a lot. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's what you choose to focus on. That's what all of this is about. And that's kind of the basis of the mindscaping practice too, that that's the culmination of all of these exercises that are put together. Um, But it's what you choose to think about. So wherever you choose at any moment in time to place your attention, say you're having issues with your stomach, right? There are a couple of chakras in that physical, if you will, area. Um, So you could focus there, but just focusing your breath into that area of your body and just tuning in and and leaving your attention there, meaning that if your thoughts are going elsewhere, you just bring them back. Okay. Right. Just like any meditation, just bring it back to there. It's like if you're trying to focus to write a paper for uh, like a college paper or something, mm-hmm. it, you know, you hear things outside and then your phone rings, you want to do it. But if you keep bringing your focus back to that, yes. that's the work that's going to get done and, and everything else will get filtered out. 
So, so I don't know. That's kind of a roundabout way. No, of... I mean, you opened up a whole lot of other portals. I'm like, ooh, that's interesting. Um, <laughs> so, so with the emotional part, like either getting sad or overwhelmed or happy mm-hmm. with the breath work, is that your subconscious focusing on something that maybe you yourself did not realize needed to be focused on? Does that make sense? I- Yeah, I think so. I think it is sometimes. Um, I think that also sometimes just giving ourselves that gift of attention, like just being aware, even if it's for 30 seconds saying, wow, my, my shoulder feels really weird. Like what, what could this have to do with? Like, let me just, let me give it some love. Let me give it some attention. I think that can bring up and bring out and heal things that, you know, for lack of a better term, are, are kind of stuck mm-hmm. in those cells or that physical area. Great. I love that. Um, so for someone that is kind of on the fence, has done a couple yoga classes, kind of curious about mindscaping and um, everything that you offer, what, are, what would you say are three benefits that they could walk away from if they were to start doing that? Oh, well, the number one, then the reason that I went to my very first teacher training immersion uh, was to reduce stress, Mm. like to really to learn tools and techniques, practical ones that I wouldn't mind doing that I had time to do every day that really dramatically decreased my stress levels. And I needed to do it at that point. I had let myself get to a point in a domestic relationship that was just a very, very challenging, a struggle sometimes. And there was so much chronic stress and tension around the whole thing Mm -hmm. that I was starting to manifest physical symptoms of an illness I didn't even have. Wow. Uh, So everyone said, you need to, you need to learn ways to relax, even doctors. So some medical doctors out there, you know, they're onto this too, because there's now hard scientific research around all of this stuff, which is great. So you need stress reduction. So the breathing the meditation, the, just the self-awareness, the, the fact that you, and you know this because you're a huge movement person, exercise Mm -hmm. and movement, like the body awareness, Mm -hmm. being aware of the connection to your own body. So many people lose that as they get older. They lose that and they stay more in their head and they're more involved with their problems and things like that. So just having that grounding force, like I can take control of this situation again. Let me sit here, return to my core, return to the center of my body. I, I have a tool. I can breathe for two minutes in this way that, and I know that there is a profound effect because I feel it afterward. So I guess that that's the first thing, stress reduction. Um, and it's more anxiety and depression and just overall stress are more rampant than ever before. A lot of people are saying it's the political climate. So that could have something to do with it. Yeah. Um, financially, like the economic status is not so great either. So there's all of that weighing down on the on the already stressful lifestyle that so many of us have. So stress reduction, which increases your health, improves your relationships, improves your sleep, um, helps you create better habits, more positive habits. That, that is the number one. Um, number two, I guess, getting, getting to know your body better again mm-hmm. and what it needs. So that kind of 
self-awareness and self-knowledge. It's not just about your physical body, but it could be. So maybe you're being directed to go take a bar class. Like that's what you're really craving or feeling, or you want to experiment and try something new and you want to run a 5K. You want to challenge yourself, but you're never going to get to those points unless you really deeply tune into your body and get comfortable with it, get comfortable with it moving, get comfortable with it being weak, being strong, being flexible, feeling stuck, you know, and just being able to be with it in that moment without judging it. So again, this is all mindfulness techniques, but kind of brought into the everyday, into the physical. Um, So when you say be mm -hmm. comfortable with it, right? Do you Mm -hmm. mean like, so I've had clients and students like, oh, I can't do this because of my back. So do you feel that they can overcome physical limitations that they have set upon themselves by being more mindful? Oh, yes. Many times they absolutely can. Yeah. I mean, there's, it's a natural resistance, especially when you have an injury or something. It, it really, it's more than a physical level. It makes you feel on some level because we're dealing with human ego here. Right. It makes you feel weak. Yeah. Like my body or even that your body betrayed you. Okay. If you think about, um, I worked with, and I think this is how we met a couple of years ago. I, I worked with Julie Bach of wellness for cancer for a couple of yes, years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's how we met at the, the wellness convention, I believe. Yep. Um, so even things like that, that are chronic disease processes and very serious ones, what you start to feel is a, almost a betrayal. Like mm-hmm. how did my body get to this? Or right. how, how did my body, how did I get injured? If it's your back, you know, whether it's a chronic thing or something that just happened, it, it makes you feel, makes you feel your age. Yeah. <laughs> it makes you feel your morality. So, and, but those are things that you don't think about deeply. It's just, it's just a surface level, like, gosh, it hurts going up these stairs or how am I going to get to work like this? And I already missed three ti- three days at the gym this week. So it's really, that's all wrapped up in ego and the practice of yoga and meditation and being mindful in your daily life is about seeing that, yes, I have an ego and my ego wants certain things, but every single human has an ego, you know? And, and if I can get to know it a little bit better, to get comfortable with the fact that it's going to assert itself (laughs) and its opinions on my life, get comfortable with that, but then say, but okay, like, let me try something else. And let me keep trying. Let me not close off from thinking of um, the back pain issue, like maybe swimming. Let me try something else. Uh, Let me try, you know, like, let's, let's laugh while we're doing this. Maybe that's what's going to free it up for them, but it's just looking deeper and deeper. It's, that person, the individual is the only one that knows really and truly what can heal them. Mm. So everyone else that you and I and everyone else, we're just guides and we're pointing them in, in the best direction possible. But the more that they take it into their own hands and get to know themselves get to know the type and quality of thoughts that are repeating in their head every day, and then become self-controlled enough to start just little by little by changing them to something that they do want. I would, a, mm-hmm. Sorry, go ahead, Jessica. Well, again, it just comes back to focus. Yeah. So um, I also have chronic pain. I have 
I've been dealing with for about 20 years with my oh. neck and it's, it's not fun. Sometimes it's worse than other times. Um, meditation, movement helps getting to know it and getting to not react to it. So meditation teaches you, okay, this is there, but maybe I'm going to put my focus over here for like, I know it's there. Uh-huh. It'll probably change. Like it's never there all the time. So it's going to change just like the nature of everything else around me. The pain will change and shift and disappear. But for now, I'm just going to place my attention on um, this. I'm going to pet my cat or I'm going to go for a walk. (laughs) Seriously, like the smallest little things. And then what happens? Remember, we have the filtering system. So now most of our attention is over on this thing that, you know, you either enjoy or at least at the very least it's better than pain right it's a neutral experience and you're placing your attention there then the the sensation of the pain or the discomfort or the frustration aggravation whatever it is it starts to become minimal again until Uh you don't notice Uh it this is so fascinating because I have recently committed to myself and I don't know you could tell me if this is a form of meditation but it's like really opening the the blinders for me. So um, I, I discovered that I have an empathy personality, which means I absorb the energy of others. I don't mm. know if that, you know. <laughs> yes, I know that. Okay. All right. So I was talking to my other friend. She's also a yogi. She, she, we uh, connected over like essential oils and we just started talking. And I was like, oh, my God, that's me, too. So after talk, it just I started Googling it and looking more into it. And I was like, this is totally me. And I noticed that it can really disrupt my day, disrupt my mood. I could be in a great mood, come into contact with something or someone, and it will just totally kill my mood, kill everything that I had planned because I've just soaked it up. So I've just been more mindful about who I speak to, when I speak to them, mm, um, how yeah how I react and um it's really funny because I used to just I wouldn't say I have a temper but I was you know I'm emotional so like now when I'm on a more calm level um it's throwing this person for a loop like uh what's wrong with you why are you acting the way I'm used to you acting Mm -hmm. and I find myself because now that I have a child, I don't want him to react to situations that way. So mm. it's for me, that was the driving force. And also just my own sanity. I just feel way more calm. Um, I wanted to reduce stress. So I'm hearing you say this in terms of like physical illness, but I can see how you said it can also help with everything, including relationships. And I totally, totally agree with that. I mean, I'm still a work in progress, but I love this. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, relationship is, we're here on this earth to experience relationship. You know, like every, everyone we come in contact with, that is a relationship. So that's, and yeah, if we're less, you know, of course, physically, if we're not in pain, if we're feeling really strong and great physically, then we're going to connect on a different level. But it's the same with anxiety and depression and, you know, any other mental stuff, even just being tired all the time or being drained, like fatigued or not getting your actual message out into the world, not being able to be creative. Right. Uh, like around your true passions. That's another podcast too. Yes, it is. <laughs> but I think everything is back. relationship. <laughs> we should probably come back. We have a lot to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> but I like what you said about um, you're changing how you react 
yeah. to those people. Yeah. So that's the thing. That's the thing about mindfulness meditation. And it's, it's so exciting for me. I have a, I have a science background. I have a degree in uh, behavioral neuroscience. So I'm fascinated by the brain and all of the studies around it and how the brain affects the body and affects our behavior and, you know, outward. So the fact that you say like, I'm seeing myself react differently to these same people that, you know, would, change my energy. We'll say in a nice way that might change my energy on another day. Uh, It's because that you're getting far enough in your practice that you're strengthening those networks, those parts of the brain that are giving you self-control. So they know that, and that's, you know, a very generalized basic way to say it, but this is like an exercise. So it's like you're Pilates and bar, right? (laughs) So imagine like how you're exercising your hamstrings or your glutes and it takes some time and it's little by little by little and you have to do it. You have to go through it. It's not always comfortable, Yes, but you're building slowly. You're building up and then all of a sudden you're like, wow, that didn't feel like anything. And I did 50 flights of stairs. So, and it's the same sort of thing with your brain, with your mental state. So now you're with someone that may be a really difficult person for you to even deal with say, and, but this part of your brain is strong and ready. And it's like, okay, bring it on. Cause I don't need to react now. Now I, I'm not coming from an emotional place anymore. This part of the brain Um, a lot of it is in the prefrontal cortex, which is one of our our newer parts of the brain in in an evolutionary speaking terms. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's about self-control. It's about self-discipline, being moral, standing up for our values, like really having control over our emotions, which are more and I, I say this in a, it's not so cut and dry, right? Mm-hmm. But they're more towards the brainstem, like reptilian parts, older parts of the brain are our emotional center. Mm-hmm. Um, but this new evolutionary part is the part that if we strengthen it, we have a choice over our emotions. We can still choose to express emotions because that's what we do as humans. And that's a beautiful thing. And that's how right. we connect. But we don't have to we don't slip away like oh <laughs> what happened I just got crazy there like I yes. just got way too emotional yes. and I shouldn't have said that and now it's spinning out of control right. we have that moment to reflect and say no I choose yeah that's do the this. thing and I feel like um in the past I would just react and then mm-hmm. after I was like why did I react that way mm-hmm. like, and, I, and <laughs> like I do agree like I do feel like when I made the effort to say I'm going to start being more conscious of how I react to things and how I let people affect me it was hard and I was like wait this isn't working but like in a blink of an eye I guess the whole time I was practicing and not realizing like at one time this person did something and I was just like it was almost comical to me whereas in the past (laughs) it would have pissed me off and so (laughs) Well, you set your intention, you set your intent, you said, I'm going to do this, I'm going to try this. And so even if you didn't, you know, get up at 730 and start practicing every single day, the same thing, you still put that intention out in the universe. Yes. Yeah. 
Oh, I love this. Okay, so I'm going to have you back on. <laughs> okay. So just, and I hope it doesn't take us as long to schedule it. But I, I hope not. <laughs> I would love for you to share with everybody about Mindscaping, where they can find you on Instagram. And if they wanted to work with you, where's the best place to find you? Oh, sure. Well, they can hop over to my website. It's centerednyc.com. Um, there, there's a lot of information about me on there and what I do, and you can reach out and book appointments. My Instagram is, I also have a centered NYC and then my personal one is mindscaping muse. Uh, so if you want to do, I, I've, so I'm going through a little bit of structural change that we can talk about it next time with the mindscaping, but right now I do teach workshops on it and I have those one-on-one virtual sessions with mindscaping so they can reach out through my website or through Instagram and and set something up if they want to try it out or just have more questions I love it thank you so much I'm so glad we met and I'm so glad we stayed in touch me too thanks Nadia (laughs) all right thank you everybody for listening bye-bye